If you want to stand for the reading of the word, I'm going to be reading out of Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 6, the Macedonian call. And they went throughout the region of Phygera, Phygia, and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak a word in Asia. And when they had gotten up to Mysia, they attempted to go, to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to, to Paul in the night. A man from Macedonia was standing there, urging him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage, voyage to Somothrace. And, and the following day in Naples, Naples, <laughs> all these words, and from, from there to Philippi, which is the leading city in the district of Macedonia in a Roman colony. We remained in that city for some days. And on a Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we, were, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the woman who had come together, the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia, from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized, and her whole household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. This is the word of the Lord. Be seated. Max is going to come share the word tonight. I'm excited for this. So happy to be here in Santa Rosa. Just kidding, I live here. Um, yeah, I'm out of retirement, I guess. Um, gosh, okay. Let's just jump into it then. If I'm a little rusty, I apologize. Uh, I, my name is Max, and um, I have been going to refuge for a long time. And I've preached a few sermons here, and um, I have heard a lot in the pews as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I, uh, I don't want to say reluctantly, you know, I'm, I'm here preaching, but it's not my favorite way to serve the Lord. But I am, uh, I am absolutely excited to, uh, to share what, what God has uh, been speaking to me through this passage. Um, can you guys hear me okay? Okay, all right. I just want to make sure. Uh, so if I stand over here, we're okay? Yeah? Okay, cool. Um, yeah? A little bit? Yeah? Because I'll probably be like here. Okay. I just, I just want to be sure. I just want to be sure. You know, for all the people that will want to listen on the podcast and everything. So, uh, It's been cool going through Acts. Um, I hope everyone's been enjoying it, going through Acts. Something that I've been seeing um, this, this time through, I think maybe we went through it years and years and years ago, but it's, I don't know that we've ever done it on a Sunday before. I, I don't think we have, but uh, it's been really cool. I've, I've been seeing more of the humanity um, of the apostles and the characters and the players in the book of Acts and I know it's called the, you know, Acts of the Holy Spirit, the Acts of the Apostles by the power of the Spirit, however you want to say it. But that's, that's been really kind of showing up to me uh, this time through and as I've been studying. Um, and so that's been really refreshing, just kind of see the humanity of, of the men and women in Acts, but see the power of the Holy Spirit uh, the faithfulness of God, the power of God, and ultimately the plan of God, um, and how God has he's grown his church, he's birthed his church, 
Uh, he's never left his church. And uh, so those kinds of things have been really encouraging to me this time through. So I just wanted to share that since I have the microphone. And uh, disclaimer, I apologize if I, if I cry, uh, for if you've heard any of my sermons before. Sometimes it happens. I'm not planning on it, but it can be awkward to see a grown man cry. And uh, so just bear with me. I'll get through it if I do. Um, I did bring my water just in case. Um, but I don't plan on it, but we'll see. <laughs> it's like the only place I cry is publicly, so. Um, so, picking up, uh, we, saw, uh, we saw the split of, uh, of Paul and Barnabas, right? So, we're picking up with Paul and Silas starting their second uh, mission journey. Um, the band broke up, right? Paul and Barnabas split. Um, was probably a good thing. It seemed like they had a really good dy- dynamic duo, both of them together, but it also seems like there was something that God was wanting to do. Um, it, these, these things obviously happen. You know, people, people split. They go different ways. They do come back together. Um, and uh, even Mark comes back too, which is, which is always good. Um, so there is reconciliation if you, didn't, if you haven't read ahead. Um, but, uh, but yeah, they're both going to split up and do good things uh, in, the, in the name of the Lord. Um, and again, we, we take place here uh, in Antioch. Seems to be a special place. That's where they started their first missionary journey. Um, launched from Antioch. And this seems to be just, I don't know, maybe a special place uh, there's a good B&B there, maybe. Uh, they wanted to hang out there together, and then, I don't know, it's just the Lord, the Lord speaks and moves people from Antioch, which is, uh, which is awesome. And then we have new characters coming in. Um, Timothy comes in, uh, Silas, Paul, of course, and um, yeah, Timothy joins the band. He had to pay a high price for it, though, right? He had to um, receive circumcision, so... But now he's in the band, he's a part of it, uh, and ends up being one of the most encouraging uh, members of this, of this group for Paul and Silas as well um, as they go forward. If, if you guys, and I know you've read uh, different epistles that Paul has written, Timothy's a huge part of it, Silas, uh, and uh, so these are just faithful friends, faithful men, uh, on this missions trip, so, um, and it's good, and we kind of take place this second missions trip or missionary journey um, is is meant for encouragement. It's meant for just kind of going back, checking in, seeing if there are problems, seeing what God is doing. Uh, I, I like the practicality of it when I see it. You know, I, I've done missions. Uh, I've done, like, longer stays, so it's not technically like a missions trip where it's, like, one week. And I always really appreciated that aspect of, of checking in on the health um, of churches and people. And even, like, house calls. You know, I spent some time in Europe, and that's, that was a little more prominent than, prominent than it is here going in, doing house calls, checking in on people. Uh, it's all really important things that, that, that lead to the health of a church. And I think this is something that Paul was really, really, uh, it just kind of held dear to his heart. If I had to guess, which is, it is a total guess, it seems that Paul had the gifting of helps. You know, he probably had a lot of a lot of giftings, being Paul, right? But he just seems so helpful, uh, and he seems like he really cares deeply about the people that uh, that the Lord has, as we're going to see today, open their heart, open their eyes, open their mind, uh, and so he's very much a shepherd, very much um, just cares about the health of people. So we're seeing that uh, in this second missionary journey. Um, this is all just recap, guys, so, um, uh, they're also, 
If you remember, they're bringing in uh, some of the structure that was decided by the Jerusalem Council. So they have, this is like, you know, early, early church days. This movement has happened. It gets a little fast and loose sometimes, you know, and so they, they, they see the th different things that the churches are doing. But now they actually have some things that have been decided upon that they can bring back and say that this is, this is good. The, the council that met have decided these things. Uh, and so a little bit of structure comes in, which is always helpful. I think that we got to have that balance of that freedom of the spirit, but also structure also leads to uh, a really healthy movement as well as, you know, a healthy uh, church body. Um, so far, as we're going to see today, the gospel has not made it uh, into Europe yet. And so we're going to see going into Macedonia, uh, modern-day Greece, that, uh, that, the, that the, uh, the gospel, that's what it's called, the gospel uh, finally makes its way over there, uh, which is really exciting. It's kind of a pivotal moment uh, in this early church, in this New Testament phase, uh, where, where the gospel goes and begins to, uh, to work um, in another country. So they have, you know, gone to other regions, but um, actually making it into that, uh, that Macedonia area is pretty pivotal here. So, um, I also just wanted to, to, to bring up something that kind of struck me, uh, was just the travel back then. You know, we travel for us today is just so, we don't really think much about it. Um, flying to another continent, flying for eight hours, whatever it might be. Uh, it's just not really a big deal, but it kind of struck me. It was just something I was like, oh man, that's, that's a big deal to go on ships. You know, it's, it's not like it was that far, but uh, it was far enough. And I don't really think people traveled leisurely back then, at least too far. So um, I was just encouraged and struck by that um, as I was reading today. Or sorry, reading um, this, these past few weeks. Just to, to be moved by the gospel, to drop everything, um, to leave family, to leave friends, uh, possibly return. You know, it's, it's never a given. And, um, and we all know this. This isn't like, it's not a profound thing. It's just an encouraging thing to be reminded uh, that the gospel has this power. Um, and it, it doesn't always impact us like that. So it's, I would just pray that we would just meditate on, on some of those things that for a couple thousand years the gospel has moved people to, to expand uh, and to take risk so that other people can be saved. So again, Nothing profound, but this is just, just recap. So. so jumping into our text for today, okay, as John was reading, uh, we'll pick up in 16.6. Uh, in and they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mycenae, they attempted to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mycenae, they went down to Troas. Uh, once again, uh, their, their mission strip was to revisit and strengthen. Uh, everything that had happened in the first trip, uh, the people that had gotten saved, the churches that were started, they were just coming back and... Um, and just making sure that there was health, making sure that you know the doctrines hadn't gotten uh, too far away, um, especially from the Jerusalem Council. Uh, but it was just kind of a health and wellness checkup. Uh, first thing I want to point out here is, you know, where it says that they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit. That's an interesting concept. Um, I know a lot of times where we come into adversity. Um, uh, something doesn't go our way, we have plans, they're changed. A lot of times that's called what? Spiritual warfare, right? 
Um, you know, sometimes when you're playing in the band and there's feedback, <laughs> it's called spiritual warfare, or um, sometimes it is maybe, I don't know. But I think that God is so involved and the Holy Spirit is so involved that there's often times that we are saying, not, we're not saying enough that, you know, the Holy Spirit kept me from that, the Holy Spirit moved me here. And I know we can usually see those things in hindsight, and we'd see, oh, that, that was God. God. God did that. God was the one who closed that door. God was the, he was the one that, that had me meet that person. Uh, he was the one that, uh, you know, in their case, uh, forbade us from speaking the word in Asia. But, again, it's just another thought that, like, it's not, it's not always negative, I'll say, spiritual warfare. Uh, a lot of times it's God just showing his presence in our lives. It's a lot of times it's God showing how he is with us. He's beside us, right? He's in front of us and behind us. He's protecting us. Um, and so that's something that they were seeing. It's also interesting that um, as they are going, and this might be, I guess, kind of a critical thing. I was talking earlier about seeing the humanity. This might be kind of a critical thing to say, but it does seem that in this initial part, there's kind of just a going through motions. Like, okay, what should we do? And I've, you know, served in enough, uh, I guess, time or years pastoring that you don't always know what to do. And that sometimes it's like, what should we do? Uh, should we have uh, this or try that? You know, maybe this will work. Uh, and so it doesn't seem that there was a ton of inspiration, but that also doesn't take away from that these are good things to do. And so we see the inspiration come uh, later in this passage. So I don't want to leave you with thinking that there is no inspiration here, but there's a difference that happens, and it's always so exciting when God speaks and he gives Clear, derision, uh, di clear direction, clear vision. Um, I feel like God is actually doing that in our church as we speak. I feel like God is clarifying, giving direction. Uh, I feel like God is speaking to people individually. I've had some incredibly encouraging conversations uh, in the past months of things that God is doing in people's lives. And even if I haven't talked to him, like being at those family meetings, hearing people speak up. And it's just so encouraging to know that God is moving in people's lives and that he is changing people. Uh, so, again, this idea of spiritual warfare, foiled plans, uh, and even going through the motion at times, uh, these, these are good things that, that Paul and the team are enduring. Um, And this kind of brings up the idea of God's will. Uh, God's, God's will in our lives. It's, it's something that, that I know a, a lot of us, you know, whether it's when we're younger, maybe we're still kind of working through it. It's something that's important. We don't ever want to uh, mess up God's will. We don't ever want to step outside of God's will. Uh, we don't ever want to get ahead or fall behind. We kind of just want to be in that nice little pocket that has you know, God's will or light is kind of moving around that we're right in the middle of it. And I just, I just want to take the pressure off of us. It was, it was told to me uh, a long time ago that when God speaks to you, uh, when God is moving, uh, the guy's like, I just played tennis with God. I just hit that ball right back. And I say, okay, okay, God, you do it. You show me, you lead me, you guide me. Um, and it doesn't seem that there's a whole lot of anxiety here uh, in, in their lives as they're walking out uh, God's will for their life, as they're, as they're walking faithfully um, and serving God in these early days. So this idea of God's will, it's not something that we have to understand all the time, work out ourselves, 
have this perfect understanding of it and know exactly where to go. And that's part of that amazing uh, adventure that we get to walk uh, hand in hand with the Spirit, just learning more about God as, as we grow uh, and, get, and get older. This, this makes us, we, we, we need to trust God more. We need to, what's that like? We all know Proverbs, right? Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Trusting God is one of the simplest, but one of the hardest things that we can do as Christians. Um, relinquishing control over to God, whatever it might be. There, we are all walking different lives, different paths. Uh, we have different things that, that God is calling us to, and, and all of us are called to relinquish that control uh, and just have a walk in humility and faithfulness uh, to how God leads us. Uh, we need to be okay with trials and tribulations and setbacks. Uh, keep your faithfulness and joy when you have setbacks. These are staples of New Testament uh, epistles and letters. Just maintaining joy, maintaining faithfulness in the midst of, uh, of setbacks. And it's pretty interesting that Paul, to the Philippians, talks so much about joy. Um, and here he endures setbacks, you know, from the Holy, Holy Spirit, uh, a forbiddenness to go into to the land of, of Asia. Um, but these are, these are all things that he's learning as he's walking with God. And later, as we'll see here, he's actually going to Philippi. Uh, he's going into, uh, and that's the, the first place that he's able to proclaim the gospel is, is in Philippi. Uh, so is it, is it possible that he was learning some of those things on this journey? That's, that's entirely possible. You know, God's speaking and teaching us every day. So, uh, yeah, and we don't know exactly what the, what the forbiddenness looked like or what it meant. Um, it could have been, I don't know, maybe there was a fire, something in the land. Uh, maybe there was a, a, some type of dispute going on. Maybe there was a disagreement within their group. It was like, ah, I, don't, I don't think so. Maybe there was a mudslide that, that covered the, the road. And maybe it was. Maybe it was supernatural where they all had this sense that God is not yet. God's closing this door. God's, God's not allowing us access uh, into Asia. Um, but again, I want to come back to glorify the Lord because I see the humanity in this because, you know, when I first read Acts, it was like, oh, they just knew. It was just like this supernatural, they knew that, that the Holy Spirit was forbidding them. And it's very possible they did. I'm not saying they didn't. But I can also imagine, um, uh, imagine that it was just like, yeah, the Holy Spirit didn't allow us to go in there. Uh, Nikolai and I were able to go to Africa, and there was a lot of that, like, we're just flying by the seat of our pants, and, like, we do have somewhere we're going, but, like, it's, oh, I guess that's not happening. You know, maybe God closed that door. Uh, maybe this is where God wanted us to be. Uh, but we've all seen that. We've all seen God's faithfulness. Is we don't know exactly what we're doing and where we're going, but God is faithful. Uh, and he does direct us and lead us. Um, yeah, so whatever the reason uh, was in the events that took place, they kept going, um, and, and God was showing his faithfulness. So at this point, right, just kind of want to set the stage uh, and, and tell the story. And I really should have had a map because the maps were really helpful. I should have like a, like a laser pointer uh, and a map. Uh, but if you flip to the back of your Bibles uh, or you look at it on your phone, it is really helpful to see some of these little places, right? So Paul is on land and he jumps uh, to the places that he had been and then he keeps going. And it's really just kind of like you see the pattern. It's like, okay, now we're just going to the next church, and oh, we wanted to go into this region, but the Lord closed the door, and so they kept going, and they end up 
at Troas, right? So I'll read the next portion. So passing by uh, Mysia, or Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing, uh, standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go uh, into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. I've never had a vision like this. Uh, it sounds incredible. Um, this is something that, you know, in earlier days, I always kind of saw the book of Acts as a challenge. Uh, if you're holy enough, then you'll live this fantastic life, or you will have these supernatural um, occurrences, right? So it was always on me when I would read the, the book of Acts, especially, you know, 17, 18, 19, uh, when I was reading this book for the first time, these were the things I desired. I wanted to see visions from God. I still do, but now I'm a little more just like, okay, Lord, <laughs> I'll even take a dream. I don't really dream. So it's like any, anything would be, would be cool. Um, and some people do, and I always appreciate those people, but it's, it's not me. But here they have this vision. Paul has this vision. And then I don't really think he could be convinced otherwise. And I have had those times in my life where God convinces me. And it's a powerful thing. When, when God sets your direction and he gives that inspiration, it's, you really can't be uh, talked out of it. And that's what's happening here to Paul. He's getting this inspiration and, and he's on it even immediately, right? So I'm guessing like the next morning, it could have been, like these sound like they were awesome guys, they could have left immediately. Uh, but I'm thinking maybe they left in the morning after of course a cup of coffee uh, and um, maybe a snack and then they got on their way. And they could all conclude uh, that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Uh, so as again, again, as I said, that uh, up until this point, Scripture doesn't say that there was a whole lot of inspiration for what the marching orders were. But now they have them, and uh, I, I believe they're excited. And I believe that they're like, okay, God's doing something new. This is awesome. Um, and up until this point, it seems like only forbiddances only a little bit of adversity. I was talking to, to Nikolai yesterday. We were talking about on this road, you know, traveled, it, you know, that thing in your mind that goes like, should we really be doing this? You know, <laughs> it seems like God is not allowing this or maybe, maybe not blessing it. Uh, I'm, I'm sure God did bless it. Uh, I know it says that, that people were encouraged and it was good. But even when good things are happening, uh, and you're just kind of stepping forward in faith. There's not a whole lot of reassurance sometimes, especially if you're leading. Uh, and so I'm so happy and relieved for this group uh, that, that, they were, <laughs> that they were given uh, this, these real marching orders. Uh, and the Lord's going to do some powerful things here. So, um, you know, it's, it's interesting, too, and, and I don't know if you guys took note or if you saw there that, remember earlier when I said that I think that Paul has the gift of helps? It's the Macedonian man that says, help us. W would you come help us? Not, would you come plant a church? Uh, not, would you come preach a sermon? Um, would you, it's, it's, I think that Paul is drawn to helping, and this is totally just, me guessing. It's just kind of me reading into to scripture. But I think, I think that Paul is excited. I think that he has peace by this calling. I think that if it was like, come and lead a revival here in this, in this new land, I don't know. Is, it, is that as reassuring for Paul or is that as inspiring for Paul? I think he's drawn to helping people. It's, it's very possible you know, we saw um, uh, before where Paul and Barnabas were ministering. 
um, it seems that Barnabas was probably the better speaker. Um, it's very possible that, that Barnabas was more of a trailblazer. Uh, maybe the dynamic in their partnership uh, would, would make, make Paul not as eager to blaze new trails. Maybe that's why he was starting out here. Uh, for whatever the reason is, and again, that's all speculation, it's interesting to me, um, this vision moved Paul. And this vision was exactly what Paul needed to see to move forward and to take this next step of faith. And when God calls us, he moves. And like I said, often in my experience, we don't really feel like we have any other choice. He, he does it in such a way uh, that we're at peace, at perfect peace, but also incredibly burdened and driven. And there's, there's just, there's no other, uh, there's no other option. I remember um, when I was, I guess, 18, 19, those kind of formidable years where I was trying to decide what was going on with my life, uh, still trying to figure that out, right? <laughs> but I, I really wanted to serve the Lord. I wanted to give everything to God. Um, and it seemed like the, the next step for me was Bible college. And I remember when that became so clear to me uh, that I just moved in that direction completely. I didn't have the money for it. Um, I took a step of faith. I had enough money to make the first payment for the first, the first payment for the first semester. And then it was like, I, I don't have anything else, but I had worked all summer back when uh, uh, minimum wage was $8 an hour. So it took a lot longer to get to <laughs> a few thousand dollars. <laughs> and, uh, and God was faithful. And he, and he, he brought the increase uh, in abundance. Um, and to the extent where people were paying my tuition that I didn't even know I had talked to about, I don't have any money. I might have to go home next week. Um, and I was working. I worked a job uh, shamelessly at, at Hollister, and, uh, and, and I kept trying to make you know, tuition payments, but it just wasn't adding up. So, um, But again, I want to hit on that point that like when God does call us, uh, there is... There is no turning back. There's a peace and there's a surety that God's working. Um, I also have a, another story. I'll, I'll keep this one short. This one was, I think, a little, it was, it was more potent for me. Uh, it, it was when I was at Bible college and in my, in my first semester of Bible college. Uh, a little, little background in history for me, at least like Christian background, uh, is that I grew up in the church um, and, you know, liked going to church mostly for the social aspect. And, um, I had really latched onto the 10 commandments, uh, when I was young and I had latched on to the rules and the rules were like, they're very clear for me. Uh, but I had never latched on to kind of like the breaking of the tension of those rules. Right. So it was like, I saw the line, and I knew uh, that I crossed that line. So I, essentially, I knew I was a sinner. Um, and and I, I had never understood the forgiveness, the grace, the reconciliation. I had never understood these things. So as a, as a young man, as a child, I was just trying to keep the Ten Commandments. So that would be, you know, legalism. I was trying to uh, earn my salvation or my righteousness uh, by keeping the rules, right? Uh, and that's, that's uh, not the religion that we're in. <laughs> we, we're not in that faith. Uh, we depend on the grace of God. So all that to say, God's working in my life. He's teaching me about grace. He is releasing these burdens off my shoulders um, and I had had the opportunity to study uh, in Italy in high school. And, and as soon as God opened my eyes about the grace of God and the gospel and the forgiveness that he gives uh, and his goodness, he just like gave me this tunnel vision 
focus for uh, Catholicism and, and, and the works-based relationship with God that that, that, that has uh, over people. Um, so many friends that I had made over there was like, oh, the, you know, everyone needs to know this. Uh, and I believe that God had already redeemed me at that point, but I had had this like this kind of this re um, I don't know, rekindling and just like this new way of seeing it. Uh, and I had that like oh, people people have to know, especially those in Italy. Um, so and, and at the same time that God was doing this uh, now, you know, one of my closest friends uh, was visiting from Italy uh, speaking about the work that was going on in Italy. Uh, I didn't know him. I didn't know he was there. God was just doing this in my heart. And the very next day I'm talking, you know, at breakfast, I was like, yeah, I think God's like, yeah, he's doing something in my heart for Europe and for Italy. And they're like, oh, you should talk to Dave. He's speaking at devotions today. He's a, a missionary in Italy. And so, um, that was crazy. And so, of course, uh, right after devotions, I go up and I'm like, dude, I, I don't know. I, I have to talk to you. So God's doing something uh, in, in my life. And so he's like, well, you know, after the semester, come out. Come, come, uh, come stay with me. Um, and I, was, I had this exact same determination that Paul's talking about here. Uh, people would say, when are you going? And I was like, well, I'm going. Uh, I think it was June something, June, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, cool. Like, you have your ticket and place to stay? I was like, no, I don't actually. But this is a date that God's put on my heart. Um, and I'm working, saving. And if I don't have the money, then I'm going to go. Uh, because I want to see God work. Uh, I didn't have to show up to the airport that day without a ticket. God had actually provided uh, the money uh, the work, the donations, people helped me get there. Uh, even refuge. It's really actually just realizing that refuge took a, a, an offering for me. Um, and this is way back when we were at Mary Hill. Um, but they're just like, yeah, we're going to send you. Like, you can go. And uh, so they took an offering for me, and it was a few hundred bucks, and it kind of took me over, over the threshold of what I needed. And... Uh, it's just, you know, God's faithfulness. When he calls and he brings that clarity of vision, um, just move. Go in that direction. Um, you know, we're not in control of the things that move us to serve, but we need to be faithful when the motivation comes. And I've been around uh, enough different people to see that we're all motivated to serve God in different ways. Um, you know, I spent a lot of my younger years, sorry I'm talking so much about my younger years, but so much of my time looking at other people and kind of wondering, like, oh, why am I not like that? Like, why? They seem, like, they really seem to be, they love working with kids. Uh, they, they love, um, you know, leading worship. They love teaching Bible studies. You know, whatever it might be, but I spent so much time comparing myself to other people. Uh, but to be set free to, to know that it's God's will. And that we're not in control of those things. Uh, but we, we are in control of, of being faithful. When God calls us uh, and moves us, let's be faithful, church. Uh, so they set out on a ship, leaving Troas, right? Um, going to foreign lands uh, and all they know is we're going to help someone from Macedonia, right? Uh, they saw a Macedonian man. Uh, apparently, they knew it when they saw it. <laughs> I guess he had a look about him, a Macedonian look, uh, and, uh, and they were going to help them. So, um, so they, they crossed the, uh, the Mediterranean there and uh, I'll, I'll read on to the next part. So setting sail from Troas, we, real quick, it's the first place where that, that also uh, happens, uh, meaning Luke joins the party, right? So this is um, uh, the first place where we have speaking in first person. So 
Luke being the author of Acts, um, probably gets picked up in Troas, okay? Uh, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace. And the following day, to Neapolis. And from there, to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in the city some days, and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. So Luke joins the band. They're on their, uh, onto the, the next section of their voyage, um, and excited, excited and uh, eager to see what God is going to do. And I think it's interesting um, that as we look at Paul's vision, uh, and then we look at the outcome of what actually takes place when they, when they get there, um, it, everything's kind of wrong. So he gets this really neat vision that moves him to action, but uh, he, didn't see, he didn't find a Macedonian man. I'm sure he found a Macedonian man, uh, but, but that was not the one in the vision. Uh, he, he does end up helping them, right? Uh, but it's always fascinated me in this section how Paul has this vision or dream, uh, and when he gets there, it's so different than what he had envisioned or dreamt. Um, it ends up being women by the riverside uh, praying. Um, and they go to this pr- place of prayer, and they find women by the riverside, and I believe that that is where God was leading them, was to find them. Uh, but had he been looking exactly for this one man, you know, going from house to house, looking, looking for this guy that he had had a vision of, uh, he would have missed out on these things. Uh, and, and as was his custom, Paul would always first look to synagogues. He would always look to find uh, the place of prayer. And I think there's a lot of practicality in this as well. Of course, you'd want to reason with people that already have some kind of framework and understanding of, um, of, of Yahweh, of Jehovah. Um, being, being Jewish people, they would have this framework, and he had a message that said, hey, something's happened. The Messiah has come, right? So there's a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, the, the framework that he wouldn't have to bring. He also, uh, of course, spoke to Gentiles, uh, but he always went to the synagogue, uh, and he didn't find one. Um, and since there was no synagogue, um, again, does doubt set in? Uh, is he starting to think that I get this wrong? Um, and likely, this meant uh, that there was real, really no Jewish population uh, there in Philippi. Uh, you needed 10 married men to start a synagogue for there to be an establishment um, uh, of a synagogue, a place of prayer. Uh, and since there wasn't one, it, it looks like there wasn't uh, really a Jewish community there. Uh, but there were seekers. There were seekers of truth, seekers of God, and that's who he runs into. So he keeps going, doesn't find a synagogue or a place of prayer, probably kind of trying to figure that, of his, that part of his vision out. Um, and so they say, let's go down to the riverside. Uh, we definitely can't go down to the riverside. <laughs> Now to uh, to look for to look for believers uh, praying. Oh, we were at the river the other day, and it's it's not uh, it's not a place of prayer anymore. Um, but uh, good for Philippi, it was a place of prayer. Uh, but the Russian River isn't. That would be cool. Maybe God's going to lead some of you to make that a place of prayer now. Uh, but it's very different. Um, and he, and he finds this group of women, and specifically he finds a woman named Lydia who gets saved, uh, who has this, seems like a radical transformation. Um, but he, he finds this group of women, women praying by the riverside. And I, I can't help but wonder, what do you, you know, had Paul had a vision of women by the riverside, 
uh, I don't think he would have gone. Uh, you know, a bunch of women by the river. Like, he could have just been like, mm, that's, probably, <laughs> that's probably me um, just, just dreaming that dream. Uh, but I think that that's why God, like I said, specifically was giving Paul this vision uh, to move him in the way uh, that, that God was wanting to work. So he doesn't find this man. He finds a group of, of women, uh, and, and he gives his spiel, right? He, he starts talking to them, explaining uh, just the gospel that the Messiah has come, the, the prophecies have come to fruition, um, and they start receiving uh, the gospel. They start receiving the Holy Spirit. Lydia gets baptized. Um, and good for, good for faithful women. It's always so often that the hard work of prayer, um, I can't tell you how many groups that over the years that I've found that are women that are desiring to pray faithfully. Uh, and what a foundation of the church. And um, men do it too. But for some reason, women really uh, work in, in prayer. So thank you, women, uh, for, for laboring in prayer. Um, and obviously so many other things. But I was struck by that as well. Um, and moving on here. So the one who heard us was a woman, a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized in her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. And likely what this meant was she was like, come, stay, uh, Use my servants. Be a part of my household. What's, what's yours is mine. And it sounded like she was a seeker. She was someone that, though not Jewish, she was a worshiper of God. Uh, and it, it sounded like there was a piece of the puzzle missing. But as Paul came and spoke, uh, all, all of those puzzle pieces came together. And she had this conversion to where uh, she was she couldn't help but just be generous, as was the custom in, in, the, in those early days. And as is the custom of, of people that, that get saved. Uh, as, as we get saved, if, you, if we remember back, there's just this, um, this clarity and this generosity that it comes into our hearts uh, for the first time as we're experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit, the works of the Holy Spirit, uh, that she was just like, she joined in. Everyone needs to know, please, if you've, what'd she say? Um, if you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay, partake, rest, um, maybe even use this as your, kind of as your base camp. Um, and it's just really encouraging. The church needs, we need this balance of, of people getting saved. We need to be reminded um, of these things. Uh, even, you know, as we were praying earlier, even the, you know, the joy of our salvation. We need to see God working in people's lives afresh. Uh, it's such an encouraging thing. If, and I, I'm sure we've been around it, but what a powerful and encouraging thing to see new believers. To see God making right all the things that were wrong, lifting burdens off of people's shoulders, reteaching them so many of the things about life, uh, just working together all the things in our lives, and he's working those for good. Uh, and I would ask to join, to join me in prayer that, that God would, would do this work in refuge, uh, that he would do it throughout Santa Rosa, uh, in Sonoma County, uh, obviously everywhere, but I, I really desire to see uh, this, this, this work where, uh, where people are being set free. Um, and so Lydia, yeah, she was, she's such an encouragement. And God spoke to Paul 
to go. As we see, uh, Paul needed to be surrendered as he was walking out this call to Macedonia uh, because the journey was much different than the initial call. And I think I, I have, you know, kind of in closing, I'm not a long-winded preacher. I don't know how long I've been gone, but I think we're good, right? Um, it's, an, it's an encouragement, but it's also a challenge. And I think this is something that uh, where we are lacking, and maybe not all of us, uh, but I think that we need to be a little more bold. And this is something that I, I really believe that God is speaking to me as I was studying and asking, you know, what's the message? We all have people in our lives, right? And I, they probably know we're Christian. Uh, they probably know that we go to church. Um, they probably don't know much more than that. And I think that, I think that we need to be more bold to, uh, to share about our Savior. We need to be boldly following uh, as God leads us uh, and trusting that that next step will come. So that's, that, that, that's part, of, part of my challenge. And it doesn't have to be strangers, right? This is just that allowance to allow the Holy Spirit to invade every part of our heart, to invade and change our minds, uh, to allow God to call us places um, that, might be, that might be scary. Just, just a surrender, kind of like maybe even a re-surrender uh, to, to the will of God. Uh, these, these are things that could be in our own homes, right, where God wants to do a work. They could be in our workplace. Uh, they could be the gym, the neighborhood, uh, the people that we see, the people that we build relationships with, our hobbies. Um, allow these promptings uh, of the Holy Spirit to really move us to action. And please, if you, uh, if you ever have a vision like Paul, stand up, go out to your car, and go and do that because I can uh, speak from experience, and we have it right here, uh, that God is going to work in your life and other people's lives. Uh, and it really has not a whole lot to do with you. It's just, it's a way that God is going to be advancing his kingdom. And most of us have the same call, like I said, to invade every part of our being, uh, to change us. You know, in short, uh, I, I would say that's to know God. When I say to know God, um, it's not to have any part kept from him. And my calling, what I, what I kind of like coach myself with, is I want to know God and I want the people that I'm in contact with or that I'm around to know God. I want God to work as powerfully in other people's lives as he has in mine. And I don't, obviously don't mean that in a way of fruit, but it's just I know the, uh, the peace that I didn't have. And I know the peace that I have now. And I know that that was a work of God. I know the frustration I had, and I know the frustration that I don't have now. I want people to be set free. I'm sure we all do. And there's houses upon houses upon houses, gyms and gyms and gyms. There's millions of people, billions, and even within our own context, there's thousands and thousands of people that don't have that same peace that we have, that don't have that same assurance that we have. And so I want to know God and I want the people that I'm in contact with to know God as well. And I know I'm preaching to the choir because I, I know that you guys have that same desire. But unless we put on some of this boldness, I'm going to get a drink of water. Unless we, we embrace some of this boldness that we need to just 
invite someone to church, um, to take it a little bit deeper than the surface conversations. Unless we, unless we do those things, you, just, you never know. You, sometimes you invite people to church, and they're like, yeah, I'll go. Sure, I'd love to. Uh, I heard so we were talking to a men's group the other the other day, and I I had uh, I had heard a podcast where this guy had never been invited to church before, so he never went. But the first person to invite him to church, he went, and he still goes to this day. You know, 15, 20 years later, it's a simple encouragement, right? But I I really do believe that God is is speaking to that, speaking us, speaking to us that encouragement today. It's what he spoke to me, and I wanted to challenge you with it. Um, so committing our friends, family, acquaintances, even enemies uh, to prayer, and finally we have to invite people to church in line with sharing about Jesus, right? The, the preacher's not going to do it all. Uh, we can share our testimonies. We can share how God has been faithful in our lives. Uh, we can share the work that he's done, uh, done in us. We all have this, this testimony and evidence of the living God. And in my opinion, it's the best weapon we have to be, uh, to be speaking to people about the truth of God. Um, and remember, just give a reasonable response for the hope that's within us. It's that simple. Live in such a way where people ask, what gives you hope? And in times like we've endured recently over the last three years, uh, if, if we're just living uprightly and we're, <laughs> and we're making it, then a lot of times people are asking, you know, like, what keeps you going? And just giving that reasonable response for the hope that's within you. Um, I'm definitely not much of a get out, an evangelized person. I've tried it. I've done that. It's uncomfortable for me. I, some people love it. The church needs evangelists. I believe uh, that there are people that are gifted in that way. Um, but I believe the majority of us are, are called to give a reasonable response uh, for the hope that's within us. Okay? Let's pray. Lord, we call upon your faithfulness. We call upon your strength, Lord. We call upon you for, for guidance. There's so many things, whether it's the day-to-day -day life that, that we don't uh, comprehend or that we don't really know what's going on, and even more than that, Lord, the, the overall vision and direction for our lives were even more clueless, at least I am. But Lord, I pray tonight, Lord, for myself, Lord, for the church here at Refuge, that we would have a surrender to you, Lord. A surrender to your will. A surrender to, uh, to your guidance and your leading. And whether you uh, close doors or open doors, Lord, you allow us to walk through valleys or even walk up on mountaintops. Lord, I pray uh, for us to be surrendered together as a body and open and willing to how you want to lead and guide us. Lord, we pray for our community. We pray... Uh, just for the lost. Even though, Lord, as I'm, as I'm praying, <laughs> we are lost sometimes as well, but Lord, there's sometimes, we, we talk to people and there's just no comprehension from what is up and what is down. And Lord, I pray tonight in the name of Jesus that you would set people free. That you would lift burdens from people's shoulders. That you would whether it's people like me that were struggling with, with self-righteousness and legalism, whether it's people that were hating you, actively working against you, like Paul was, or Saul. And Lord, you stepped in, 
knocked him off his horse, showed him the way, showed him truth, and made him into a man after your own heart, Lord. And we call upon that same power, Lord, that same grace that has redeemed us all through the blood of Jesus and the leading of your spirit, Lord. We, we, just, we pray over our church tonight. We pray over this body and ask, Lord, that you would work powerfully uh, in our midst, through our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, wherever we go, Lord, that we would know God and those around us would know God as well. We thank you, Lord, and we entrust this work to you. Just as we see with Lydia, we know that it's only the spirit that can open eyes, that can open hearts. And so, Lord, we ask you, we ask you to do that. And Lord, use us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.